1: You're listening to Kicked Back, presented by Uber One. Uber One is a membership that lets you save across Uber Eats, Uber Rides, and everything in between. Enjoy unlimited $0 delivery fees, 5% off of Eats, 5% off of Rides. And if you join Uber One today, you can get your first month free. Visit uber.com slash Uber One for details. The round of 16 is here and we're talking about it on this episode of kicked back presented by Uber one with the Jersey walls, Nathan Santos, and the one and only producer Brett, who we adore so much. And who's done a really good job for kicks back during the, the world business. Cup coverage. He is the best in the business. So shout out to producer Brett, who I'm sure has got some iconic tickers coming for us <laughs> on this show. So I'm excited to see them, but Nathan, man, we're down to two games a day. So I know like bittersweet because <laughs> it's been four games a day is a lot, but now two games a day and it's knockouts and it's basically everything's on the line. How are you feeling?
0: Yeah. We've been hyper tuning our focus for the last like two weeks, just trying to watch games at the same time and watch games back to back to back to back and study all the games and what's going to happen. What are the narratives coming out of them? And tactically, how did they do? There's so many things to consider that watching the one game today, I'm like, Oh yeah. This is what this feels like to just be able to watch and enjoy something, one thing at a time. And we moved on to the elimination rounds. Like what better way?
1: Where has the time gone? I swear there was a point in time where you're in the group stages and I'm like, Oh my goodness. At the beginning of December, we're only going to get to two games a day Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's going to be a little bit more sleep involved. But now I'm kind of sad because two games have passed and I'm like, what are, that's it? That's, know, all we have yeah. to, that's all we have to cover. I mean, no, I mean, it's kind of sad, but what a good two games we got to see today. I'm Owen two in my cool bet predictions. So at this point in time, no one listened to me until I get back on track and you can start listening to Nathan again, because I had
0: the yang we're going, yeah. you know,
1: I had the U S well, here was the situation I said yesterday on kicked back. I said, the Netherlands are due for a game because aside from Cody Gakbo, uh this team hasn't really showed up. Their superstars haven't showed up as much as I wanted them to. And the U S have a really good midfield, but if they can't generate that attack, what does that look like for them? I also said that the Netherlands have a better coach and have more depth. Mm-hmm. And today against, you know, in that game, I think that if Pulisic scored that goal in the first few moments of that game where he was one on one with the Dutch goalkeeper uh, and he had that chance, I think that the game could have gone differently for the US. I just think it came down to a masterclass tactical performance from the Netherlands where the US just played right into their hand. And we've said this cliche line before on Kicks back, the US were playing checkers and the Netherlands were playing chess today. Mm-hmm. And I think that When you look at possession and everything, of course, the U.S. had more. But I think that that was just playing right into what the Netherlands wanted because they knew that there was nothing that the U.S. could do in attack. And you saw that today. And even some of the chances, I would say even kindly, most of the chances that the U S had, they, they weren't dangerous. Yeah. And I don't want to take anything away from this U S team, Nathan, because I think that like you heard the commentator say, this is the youngest world cup team. And I think over 12 years Mm. at the world cup, this is a young team full of talent. They've done a lot to get to where they were uh, to where they are in the tournament. But just not enough to beat this Netherlands team. And today what we saw from the Netherlands, although the Dutch media is apparently ripping them on their performance, I, I think it was their best game yet and they deserve to win.
0: Yeah. A win is a win. And by the way, I'm no betting genius or guru here. I picked the favorites guys like a shout out goes out to you because you just, you, you rocked with the underdogs and I fully respect that. And I would have loved to have seen some more upsets, but it was about damn time that the favorites come through mm-hmm. for a change. Cause damn it guys, like figure it out. Right. And that's what happened with, with, uh, with the Netherlands in the U S today. I feel like large parts of this game, the U S were actually the better side, but it doesn't matter if you have possession or if you're able to create chances or, or hold the game to basically play the style that you want to. If Louis van Hall's like, listen, I'm interested in paint drying football, like, and United fans will remember this, just super boring. Let's try to get the results and let's get it done. That's what they did. And they were more clinical and they took their chances more effectively. Now, we spoke about this in the lead up, even yesterday on the show. What do Netherlands have to do to win this game? And it was, yeah, Netherlands are do a game. And maybe it's that Gakko's finally not going to be the centerpiece of this team. But for a long time, it's we've known... Netherlands have to win games by not necessarily dominating games in midfield, but making effective use of the wide areas of the pitch. And Denzel Dumfries came out about as clutch as you can possibly do it today. The dude had two assists and the goal, man of the match performance from, by far. And the Dutch media can say whatever they want, about we didn't win in the style we want to. You know what? Yes, you did. Because you got the result. You, you moved on. And apparently this narrative is going to follow the US everywhere they go as until they lost I guess it's called football now. It's no longer <laughs> called soccer.
1: <laughs> you know what? I, I, cause I have so many people messaging me from, from the Netherlands saying that they're getting ripped in the media, but there's one thing you have to give credit to with this Netherlands team is that they find a way to win. And mm-hmm. you look at some of the better teams mm-hmm. in this tournament and sometimes they lack the ability to score these goals. So I think that you can say what you want about the style of play that the Netherlands are, are playing in right now, but it's effective. And they took out a really good U.S. team today. You guys know how strong I was on the U.S. And I, they had one shot on target and one goal at mm-hmm. some point. And, and that's where the difference was between these two teams. And I also think, like, Nathan, you say that the U.S. looked better at times. I would agree, but I also think that it's not a clear enough picture. I mean, everyone can keep possession within their back line and, yeah. and try to within their midfield. But if they're not generating a successful attack... Who cares about the possession at the end of the day? Who really does, unless you're a team like Spain who can possess the ball and use that possession to actually generate an attack. Exactly. And score what's I don't put that much emphasis on a possession game. So as much as it's a beautiful picture to see, and I love to see it from a North American style of football, because in the past, when we were going up Canada and the U S would play very direct. So I Mm -hmm. love to see the ball on the ground and the boys knocking it around. And I don't want to take that away from them. But again, it was tactical masterclass by the Dutch coach. And I'm going to mispronounce his last name. I don't have, you know your your accent. No, uh,
0: Van Hall, come on.
1: Van, LVG, Van Hall. Louis. Van Hall, but you know what he, he knew what Louis. he was doing. He knew yeah. what he was doing. You got to give credit to the Netherlands. I think the U.S. got big dogged a little bit today. They, they were it was it was an inexperienced team versus an experienced European, a good year expe- experienced European team, and yeah. that was the difference. And Berhalter, man, where's Berhalter? This is why you have a manager how right. are you not making adjustments? How do you not see this? Like you have 10 men, the Netherlands came out and I actually thought the Netherlands would press today. Like, okay, like we want to have a really good game. We want to score some goals. No, sat 10 men back and played a patient counterattack and executed on all their chances. Essentially for made no changes. You gotta, I gave him credit against England and Iran. And I'm massive question mark as to what happened today with him against the Netherlands.
0: See, for me, it's because and yes, I will pat myself on the back here because I did go with the favorites, but it's I predicted exactly this yesterday on the show. Right. It was exactly what happened. It was the U.S. not being able, despite the fact that they will have the ball because the Netherlands know like, dude, we're not going to win the midfield battle. So let them have the ball because they aren't creative enough to break through our defensive line. So our best way to. You know, win this game is just make effective use of the wide areas. Let them have the ball, and we'll beat them on the counter. And remember, we were talking about yesterday, like the way that that it could go is that the Netherlands will win, but it'll be against the run of play because the U.S. will have more possession. That's exactly what happened. Like Van Hall knew it. The fact that we knew it is is a little bit upsetting that Berhalter didn't anticipate that and try to force Netherlands to play that game. That, albeit, got them seven points in the group, but maybe was a little bit lackluster at times. Right? Like I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that he would. Go with the principle of, no, we're going to win this game our way. We're going to have the ball instead of trying to force the Netherlands to be something that they're a little bit more uncomfortable with, right? Like let them have possession, but press high and force them to make mistakes. If anything, I anticipated that more from the U S not from the Netherlands, because it was clear what the Netherlands had to do to get the win today. I knew it. They knew it. They went and got it done. The U.S. I would imagine in some capacity had to know that that was coming, but I would imagine thought, eh, well, if they stand off the ball, you know, if you invite pressure, eventually you're going to succumb to, to a goal. And you're right. When you say that if Pulisic had scored that one goal, it's a different mm-hmm. game, right? Because then they're up from early on. That's not what happened. The game pretty much followed the textbook definition of what it was supposed to be. So I can't really say that I'm surprised.
1: No, you are absolutely right. You know, uh,
0: I was doing, I was do a correct I, prediction that, that's no, where we're at here <laughs>
1: You were in I, I'm sad for the US because again you know there I saw this stat that no player uh, let me read it. No player has run further than Tyler Adams at this World Cup. And I love watching wow. this guy play because he does such dirty work for the U.S. kind of in that holding center mid role, kind of right in front of the back line and trying to connect the midfield to the attacking line. He's done so well. And Musa's had a great tournament. And McKinney's had some bright moments. And Pulisic had a goal that I'm sure he's never going to forget. And uh, just just some really bright moments for them. And I really thought that they could do it they played into the hand of the Netherlands today. And a lot of people on social media are getting mad at me because I said it was a dominant performance from the Netherlands. And what I mean by dominant is tactically, they were just yeah. superior to the U S and this is where the U S really needs to go back to back home now. And their whole program needs to say, we have a really freaking talented squad. Now we need a talented manager who mm-hmm. has been, who, who is experienced a European manager. Why not get someone yeah. who's, who's done well in international football or even has done well in the champions league and let them coach this talent because it's just so sad to see this team. And it's not like the end of the world. They're a young team. They're going to be fine in 2026. Yeah. I would just hope that this U S soccer program is put in the right hands when they have four years to make the adjustments that they need to make to compete when they host the world cup. And to yeah. me, that comes down to coaching because this could have looked different. The the, the U S could have come out, you know, it sucks that they got, went down to nothing right before the end of half. Mm-hmm. That kind of, to me was the nail in the coffin, but it's not impossible. We saw Liverpool come back three, nothing in a, in a champions league final. Mm. It's not, it's not the end of the world. It's just, they need a better coach to help them make it happen. That's all.
0: To, to Cause I don't think we're going to talk about the U S much past today. So, I mean, let's just like go mm-hmm. all in here and just talk about them. Cause now they're out. I will fully concede that. Berhalter definitely has flaws and has had flaws going into this tournament. We all knew what they were, but I think it's also important to remember what you said about this being the youngest team at a world cup in a long time. I think a lot of these players lack that big game experience and I don't want to like, say they lost because they weren't as experienced as the Dutch team. Because a lot of players on the Dutch team are very young and inexperienced too, right? Some of their best ones, Denzel Dumfries, Cody Gagpo, like game changers haven't necessarily been on this stage before. I would just imagine four years from now, this will tie into the question I'm about to ask you, which is as these players develop and get better, maybe they're experienced to take over games a little bit more. And then when you pair that with the fact that they will likely, hopefully have a manager that can ask more of them and effectively get it out of them, it'll go... Uh, further for the program as well. Because it's like, even if you put Pep Guardiola in charge of a very, very young team with no experience, I don't know if Pep would win all the same accolades, right? It's like he does need a certain barometer of player and the the players have to know what they're going to do a little bit more. Now, that being said, I'm very impressed with the U.S. and what they were able to do, especially in midfield. And this is the question that I want to ask you. Who do you think of this U.S. men's national team has the highest ceiling?
1: I I think that... <sighs> I mean, for me, I don't know if this is just because I played this guy's position. I think Tyler Adams is an unbelievable footballer. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you watch him and the work that he does off the ball and how critical he is in certain tackles that he makes, he denies lanes to the opposition. And he came in clutch a few times today and and in the entire tournament. He, he, to me, is a Michael Brad, like a new and improved Michael Bradley for this team and (laughs) Those holding center mids or those guys who can really help the back line and bring the ball up or find that connecting pass are the unsung heroes of a team. Yeah. And I. I'm excited to see what he looks like. Cause I believe he's 23 or 24 now. Mm. So give him four more years. And I hope that big teams are looking at him after his performance. But I I would hope that in four years, this guy, maybe he's not scoring every single goal for, for the U S cause it's not his position, but yeah. he's a hardcore experienced leader that this team will need to find success. And And you saw that his, his, he, he's never been to a world cup and you saw how he handled a very tough press situation. He handled yeah. that like a, like a, veteran like a and he also yep. yeah and he also handled his business on the pitch um the exact same way but there's one thing like i i agree with you to an extent the u.s has experienced inexperienced mm-hmm. players and there's only so much that a coach can do with the players that they have but berhalter makes very suspect uh substitutions and even the yep. start today i believe there is a guy up top Ferreira, if i'm pronouncing that correctly how how is he in over reyna uh, like there's just, there's, there's certain things that he does that don't make sense. And again, when you have a coach and you see what the Netherlands are doing for 45 minutes, where I think that the first half the Netherlands were just, it was very clear what was happening and that the U S needed to make adjustments. It's scary that no adjustments were, were made. And that's where it comes down to Burhalter
0: Yeah. I admire what for in fairness to him, has been able to do in the MLS this season. Um, I'll say on the note of, I agree with what you're saying about Berhalter and, and let's see how it affects the the program going forward. Cause he's not, he's not, you know, he, he definitely requires a little bit of blame here too. On the note of highest ceiling, I think it's Eunice Musa. Interestingly, I think that he's young enough and has the skill set of a player that I think will be, I don't know if more sought after is the word, but will, you know, grab headlines a little bit more. Like he's all energy and he's box to box and he's younger. And at one point he was a winger, right? And then he kind of just has reinvented himself as an eight because he's just so damn fast and that much pace and energy in the middle of the park. I feel like the evolution to his game will become a very good two-way player, not just one who cuts passing like but who is like an enabler of a lot in a team who could play in a pivot or a three, I see that as the future of his game. I think he could really be like a very, very good player down the line because he's done nothing but evolve and continue to adapt and shape his game. And I think the ability to show that you can overcome and adapt and, and shift what your game is at such a young age requires a tremendous mentality. That, so he has the mentality and the skill set. And I think that's a recipe for success.
1: Oh yeah. I think that he's so good. And that's a guy, you know, I've been talking about this midfield trio since honestly the start of this tournament. I, mm-hmm. I saw I, I th- three players that I've been impressed with. I'd like to have seen a little bit more from McKinney. I think that he had bright moments and yeah. there's just something missing with him. I'm not sure what it is. It's just, if, he has to, as an attacking center mid, if, if you're, if you want to be a complete attacking center mid, you need to be able to score. I'm not saying every shot and you don't need to be a natural finisher but you need to be able to at least have quality mm-hmm. i don't know th- there are just too many missed opportunities for me with with mckinney but Musa as a, a young talent he's 19 years old man that guy wow. was 19 years old and was one of the brightest lights on this u.s team i also like the goalkeeper i think that you know yeah. Big one, i, I like turn yeah i like him and i just again I'm, I'm, i think that this is a team that come 2026 just like very similar to Canada. They now have experience. They now have a world cup under their belts. Mm -hmm. If they can make those adjustments, then this is a a two squads come, you know, the next world cup that I think that they're going to have a much better performance than they did here at this world cup.
0: Yeah, which is still a round of 16, like they still made out of their group and a lot of people didn't think they would. So I don't know if it's a disappointing campaign for them. I'm sure in some capacity they would have liked to have had another big upset. But even still, the ceiling for this team, I think right now, round of 16, even if they'd reached quarterfinals, like that was the absolute limit of what they could have accomplished. I still think it's a big win for them to have gotten out of the group, considering there's a lot of people who would have said, I don't think they're there.
1: Love to see it. Also, I want to point out one thing. Since Cody Hakpo went to Gakpo, he didn't score a goal. I know so, he reverted. Nathan. He's gone
0: back to the, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's <laughs> he's doomed by his own name. So I think the division between Holland and the Netherlands, they have to figure out, figure out your country's name first, <laughs> and then you can figure out this dude's name because this lack of unity here is influencing the team. Clearly poor Cody's that's left funny. without a name. <laughs>
1: that's so funny. That's so, I was thinking that today. I mean, but I'm happy for the Netherlands. I mean, yeah. massive, massive performance in the sense that Cody Gakpo is the guy for them at this tournament. Everyone's talking about him and where he's going to sign to, but other guys showed up today. And I think that's huge. And you talk about peaking at the right time. That could be this Netherlands team. They Mm -hmm. had a rough group stage, in my opinion. And today they put together a very smart, experienced, composed clinical performance. 3-1. That's a big, you know, that's a big Mm scoreline. And maybe they're peaking at the right time. You know, now they play Argentina. So that's going to be... Can't an wait. unreal game. That's yeah. gonna be an unreal game.
0: I can't wait to see it. We okay. found the new other Let's move on. Socceroos so,
1: Hottest take of my life. I guys, I picked Socceroos to do this. And honest to God, I was freaking close. I you was were. close because this were. game was wild. And you know what? Everyone's ripping me online for this. And I don't even I care. I have new no Carolina. regrets. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have no regrets because anything can happen at these tournaments. And Till the last freaking minute, the Socceroos pushed. And before we get into this whole Argentina-Australia game, I just want to give major respect to to Australia and what they did at this tournament. You know, they went into the round of 16 for the first time since 06. They won two group stage games at the World Cup for the first time in Socceroos history. Hmm. And here they are playing against Argentina and did a pretty good job until Messi, you know, did found space and scored his goal because he's a legend and went down two nothing at half and came out and really didn't know they were, they were down one, nothing at half, right? One, nothing at half.
0: Yeah. I think, I think so. And then the second, They're, and then the Alvarez goal came later.
1: Yeah. The Al, then Alvarez, you know, unlucky for their, for Australia's goalkeeper. And I just think to the last minute, this team was fighting and they had every opportunity. They had two major opportunities to tie it at the end. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get it done but this was a game that was so exciting from Argentina and from Australia and probably a game that everyone assumed would be five, nothing Argentina. So I just want to give a massive, massive shout out to Australia. I'm sure their fans are so proud of them. I keep saying I'm not Australian and I feel proud of them. And I'm going to always be cheering for the Socceroos at every tournament going forward now.
0: Yeah, such a great way to win your hearts. And every tournament has one, right? Like the Costa Ricas we remember, the Icelands we remember. We just remember when these teams give us those vibes and we just can't help but be like, yeah, let's 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 back this team. Australia gave us everything they had. Mm-hmm. And even in the 97th minute, the ball comes to a one-on-one opportunity and so Emmy Martinez crazy. has to be the hero. Like that's ridiculous that it goes that late, to be honest. Right. So congratulations to the Socceroos who have accomplished a lot, despite the fact not taking home anything, because they're projected to finish bottom of their group, fourth. They got six points, which is the same amount as Argentina did, by the way, who had won their group. And they took them to the 97th minute to convincingly put this away. I don't think at any point in this game did Argentina. I mean, to be fair, early on, it looked like Argentina were going to get it, you know, past them two and then three and then four. But once that first uh, Australia goal went in, you're looking at, oh, we got a, we got a next 15 minutes in us here. That's going to be, it's going to be really telling because
1: it's now or never here. I'm going to say that Australia looked so much better out there today against Argentina than Poland did. And I have a lot of Polish, Polish people messaging me saying you need to have more faith in your country. And I want to make it clear. It's not that I don't have faith and it's not that I don't support Poland, but this was a picture of what Australia did today against Argentina with moments of generating an attack, which Mm -hmm. Poland didn't. Poland finished the game against Argentina with zero shots on target. That is terrifying. And they have one of the best number nines in the world on their team. How is that possible? Imagine if they found a way to utilize their attack they yeah. could have maybe scored a goal or two against Argentina. So Australia to me today had such a great performance Yeah, with the players that they have. And I say that respectfully, but th- this isn't an Australia that, you know, Liam has mentioned on this show from the past where they had some guys in the Premier League. I think it was the 06 performance. Mm. So this is a guy th- this is a team where most of their players are playing in the Australian league and really put together all the performances that they did and showed the world like, Hey, you know, we're here to also compete and we can also make something happen. So, yeah. uh, I, 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 at the last minute of the game, I was like standing on my couch. I'm like, Oh my God, they almost did it. Just, <laughs> even, even if they, honestly, I'm more excited cheering for them than I, than I was for, you know, my actual countries. And it was just a, a moment of if they were to able if they were able to do that or even push to overtime or penalties like mm. they they've left this World Cup already winning. I'm yeah. just happy
0: for them. And you know what? Like Poland should take notes to be honest because th- it's not that different of a play style. Australia are very defensive too, but exactly. they have outlets. They make things happen in attack when they go the other way, and they can actually pick up points that way. And I think Poland have to be able to find that balance a little bit better to go. All right, so we're both very defensive. Arguably, we have better players than we do. Why can't we do what they do, right? And maybe it's just the the spirit, the osse spirit. But uh, <laughs> that I don't know. But I I admire the way that that Australia approached this tournament because I think something about having nothing to lose and just going for it every game, even though they were very defensive, they still went for it and they took their yeah. chances more often than not. Hey, you know what? Full credit to them. Now we're going to talk about, about Argentina, about your winners, about your former Messi. winners.
1: Yeah, God, Messi. Messi. So one his 1,000th game today.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Some random guy who just yeah, never started heard of playing. He has, yeah. yeah, he has no business of being on the pitch. Who's so that? he plays his 1,000th game today, scores his first World Cup knockout goal. Uh, 789 goals in 1,000 games now. And I believe he's right under Batistuta for World Cup goals for Argentina just past Maradona. So... You think about this guy and you know what? I, I kind of am low key mad at that Australian. <laughs> I'm like, I have so much emotion in this game. Honestly, I should be an honorary Australian right now. I'm mad at that one defender. I think he was a fullback or a left back that fouled Messi, which led to that free mm-hmm. kick. And that at that point, that free kick kept the ball in Australia's defensive right. zone. And then when Messi had a little bit of time and a little bit of window with the all on his left foot. This guy's just his precision with his shot is just next level, and I think that was such a that was such a massive goal that kind of silenced everything for that time for the for the time being. Because yeah. one, Argentina just scored, but two, it's messy, and three, he did it in such messy fashion that it must have been a tough pill for Australia to swallow. But what a freaking moment for Messi! We know that this is his last ever World Cup. And we're watching him play and, and play really well and also have really game changing moments. Like, this was another goal for him at this World Cup that helped Argentina get into the momentum of the game. We saw him do that against Mexico as well. Uh-huh. So, hats off to Messi. I know that the GOAT debate is always going to happen, but. It's just so cool to see him.
0: <laughs> Producer Brett coming <laughs> clutch again.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just it's so funny on our ticker. But it's just you—you got to give credit to Messi right now, man. This guy's old, er, no disrespect, older. He's coming into form into this World Cup with with having a really good year as PSG, and mm-hmm. he's just scoring these goals for Argentina. And I, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna say this with no regrets. Argentina right now at this World Cup is very lucky to have Messi on their.
0: Oh, big time. Yeah. I, what I want to talk about first and foremost is that I think it's interesting that you will put full pronunciation into Batistuta and Maradona, but not into Gakpo. I think that's very funny. First no, of all. because
1: there's a difference. First <laughs> all, Batistuta, first of all, this guy was on... I had like... All, when I was growing up, my entire walls were right. covered in, in soccer pictures. Uh-huh. And Batistuta had like a shrine. Right. Batistuta makes sense, right? And like... It's you're Gakpo, putting a
0: little oomph Gakpo. on it. You're putting a little no. oomph on the on the ooh. You are. You're definitely...
1: What am I supposed to say? Stuta? I mean, that's weird. Hey, Maradona. I'm sure some people would.
0: Some people would.
1: Batistuta, Maradona, Lewandowski. That I stuff like makes sense. But I wouldn't say like Lewandowski ever.
0: We're going to find know? this pattern. The more I feature on Kickback, the more I'll learn the pronunciation <laughs> scale, the spectrum of pronunciation, which ones merit the correct pronunciation, which ones don't. So if you have a shrine to them, You get the name correct. Anyway. Yeah. Messy. Uh, Decent. Decent as (laughs) usual, right? Like average. What's there to say? Honestly, it is a little average from him to be quite honest. Just his average happens to be better than anybody else who ever lived, right? Like he just shows up.
1: (laughs) 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 So producer bet
0: for (laughs) (laughs) everyone.
1: He has breaking Caroline cherry (laughs) picks what name she says properly.
0: You guys know me. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Anyway, back to Messi. Um, yes, you're right. The Argentina are lucky to have him there. I still don't think he's had exceptional performances. But as we keep talking about week after week on this, it's just it doesn't matter how exceptional the performances are. up being the difference maker and he time and time and time again throughout his entire career. He is. It doesn't matter. It makes up for every error that he'll make in a game because he'll just pass the ball into the corner of the net. And there you go. You're perfect. He's not going to run. He's not going to press except for when Julian Alvarez is going to do that for him. Remember when I said, get Julian Alvarez in the team because he's going to do that and the mess will be able to capitalize. Yeah. And look what happened. And then that's what happened on the second goal too. I don't even want to spend time talking about, oh, look at that. Messi scored another goal. Like, who cares? He's great, obviously. And yes, he will be the driving force into whether or not Argentina are able to take this home. But we knew that going into the tournament, right? I don't think there's been much new information here. I think one thing I do want to talk about, the handball rule, by the way, Enzo Fernandez' goal should have been disallowed altogether because it went in from his hand. And when the ball goes in off your hand, that's a handball. So that should have been a penalty. I just am flipping the rules here. He should have went to the ref and said, "Ref, that's a penalty because I touched it with my hand." And then the ref would have been like, "Hmm, is that in the law of the game?" Or if it takes a deflection, but it's an own goal, so therefore the goal stands. Just something to keep in mind there. Enzo Fernandez is still their best damn player, but. It takes a lot. No, he's for this better country. than Messi. No, sorry. I'm mean, a uh, midfielder, midfielder. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He's, he's the best course
0: midfielder. Course yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course
1: correct here, Nathan. Yes,
0: yes. He, well, <laughs> in many ways, he's, he's good at a lot of things, but I'm definitely not going to make... That's not the time. Now is not the time nor place to start making that argument <laughs> yeah. of why Enzo Fernandez <laughs> gotta, is better I'm than gonna, Messi. I'm going
1: to frame Brett, you. Brett, don't even put that in the ticker.
0: Yeah, Brett, if you put that in the I'm, ticker, I <laughs> will be so...
1: <laughs> Nathan, I'm going to frame you. I'm going to frame you and I'm going to clip that and I'm going to put Nathan from the jersey wall on. Yeah, just ruined that my Enzo, credibility. Enzo Fernandez is better than Messi. Yeah.
0: The other day, I made a TikTok <laughs> talking about Cody Gakpo, and I was saying he's tearing it up for Ajax this season. And then as soon as I watched it back, I was like, oh, you moron. I was like, stupid. And sure enough, every comment, oh, he plays for Ajax. Like, I've done 50 videos about Gakpo for PSV and how he's the king of Eindhoven and all these things. And it's just going to... Ver- what do we remember the time that I slipped? Whatever.
1: Sometimes, no. But sometimes it's good to throw in a little nugget here and there into those of videos criticism. because... Oh, yeah. It, but, it, but it's because... People will comment. You want comments to come in your videos. Oh, Those believe like me, a little, little secret.
0: Mm-hmm. I noticed that. I found that formula. Go ahead. I don't have nice comments on a lot of videos.
1: <laughs> um, so now that we've established that you think Enzo Fernandez is the best player of all time, who's ever the played best for player? Argentina,
0: absolutely, no <laughs> question about it. Already, he is. Name me another player who scored a goal with their hand and it stood, except for Maradona. So he's there. There are only two like, Argentinian wait, players. Wait, who are as
1: you were. As you were asking that, I'm like, wait, is he serious? Because
0: no, no, like hold on. no. Aside from Maradona, time. only one other player has had a handball stand as a goal, and it was Enzo Fernandez, and it was against his own team. Wow. Like, to me, that's just, those different levels of history right here. And I really... Hey,
1: it. T- talk to me right now about Argentina, because you knew prior to this tournament, this was my World Cup winning team. Yeah. Um, no disrespect, and they very well could, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how I feel now that I've been watching all the teams play. My pick is France. I think Argentina is beatable, and I yeah. think that Argentina has good moments, but I don't think that this is a great team. No. And and I, I know that you know they have Messi who who can have these game changing moments. I love the picture of Alvarez today pressing like crazy. That's a guy that Argentina needs. And again, I feel so sorry for Matt Ryan when he he kind of fumbled that, that would have been number one misplay for me back in the day. Yeah. But, but there's just defensively certain things that they did and certain passes that some of their players made that I'm like, yeah. this doesn't feel like an Argentina team that might go on and win it. And again, I could be wrong, but just not overly impressed. What's your thoughts?
0: Yeah, this is kind of the the Argentina. Listen, we've got a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong, but this Argentina... Team, I feel like I've mostly nailed with how they were. I feel like the best version of their team has Enzo Fernandez and Julian Alvarez in it, which is very true, right? And they're beatable. And I wasn't convinced by Argentina entering this tournament. And people really thought that you're not alone, Carolina. Like people really thought, no, this is it because it's messy. It's the story. It's the World Cup. It's that they're, they're the South American champions, right? Like they haven't lost in 36 games. Like what's going to stop them? And I'm like, the better teams will stop them. The teams with better systems will stop them because even from a player quality perspective, there's, if you were to just start swapping players and say, OK, how many players from Argentina's team gets into this team? And let's say it's France or Portugal or whatever it is. And we take managers and everything else outside of it. Argentina don't have the strongest 11 in terms of quality. Their tactics, they are very capable of getting it wrong. And we saw that in the game against Saudi Arabia. We saw that for large parts of the game against Argentina as well. Right? Or Excuse me, against Mexico as well. So I feel like this Argentinian team have just lived up to what I perceived their hype to be. And that is very beatable. And that means that I don't know if they're going to lose to the Netherlands, because I do feel that that will be that that game merits discussion when that time comes to really talk about, like, how are the Netherlands going to beat them and how are they going to beat the Netherlands? I'll tell you what, it looks a lot like it does today, but Netherlands are a little bit more likely to concede goals because argentina are capable of scoring goals way more than the us are which means how do the netherlands adapt for that i'm excited to see how that battle plays out but even let's say argentina go through here they're still going to then meet like brazil right and it's like like the end of the line will come at some point because it wouldn't surprise me if they lost to the netherlands it wouldn't it definitely wouldn't surprise me if they lost to brazil the only thing that would really actually surprise me about this argentinian team is if they reach the final because from what I perceive them to be entering this tournament, that would be a massive, massive shout for how far they would have gone. Cause I didn't think that they were that good to begin with.
1: I know that a lot of people think that probably the Argentina has an attack that can disrupt Netherlands backline, but I also see it on the other end too. I think the Netherlands have an attack again, if all their superstars show up that can disrupt that Argentinian backline. I I think think. Cody Gakpo could do wonders. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. I think you that know, Argentinian
0: backline is so frantic like they lack composure big time and they if they're pressed hard they can really make mistakes. We
1: saw it today. I agree. And 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 respectfully again, you know, there isn't a Cody Gackpo on Australia. Right? There mm-hmm. isn't that like super talented or not talented but super clinical goal scorer for Australia. So yeah. maybe if they had someone like that, it would look a little bit different. But I wonder with Netherlands, having someone like a Cody Gakpo and, you know, just other players who are able to help score those goals. I think Argentina may struggle and their goalkeeper. I mean, I know that he came up big for them, but also got caught a couple of times, you know, when yeah. Australia were pressing him, when he had the ball at his feet, just things that I, I, I'm curious to see what happens in this Argentina Netherlands game, because I think it could be a pretty even matchup from a top European club, a top, a big European country versus a big South American country. It's going to be a really cool game.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. And Louis van Hall has that pedigree. Like he knows what it takes to get the team to go yeah. far, even if it's not playing the most thrilling football in the world. I think he just knows how to hurt Argentina because let's be real. He would have anticipated playing Argentina coming out of this. So I feel like he expects to have a pretty decent approach to how he's going to approach the game. And we know that van Hall can outcoach people, even if it seems boring. Yeah. He, as long as he takes the three points home, he doesn't care. Right. He doesn't Who care. As long as he shit. gets the win. Oh.
1: Honestly, who gives a shit if I'm, if I'm from the Netherlands right now, and someone said like, you know, the media was ripping, i would ripping Van Hall for, you know, his performance. I'd say who gives, who gives a shit at the end of the day. Yeah. It wasn't even one, nothing. It was three, one. Yep. It was three, one. And they found a way to not only defend and play a tactical game and play the counter, but also score. So yep. I don't know. I, I really liked what I saw from the Netherlands today, which is very interesting because in the last two weeks on kicks back, I've been not anti Netherlands, but almost, what is this team Yeah we've doing been underwhelmed and, and, right yeah super underwhelmed but one one last question on Argentina what are yeah. your thoughts on Scaloni
0: uh well he know we know that he listens to kickback and on the episodes that he does listen to he gets it right and on the episodes that he doesn't he gets it wrong. Right. No he's he was <laughs> a great like he established a great pedigree for this team entering the tournament. But I do think that at times he's very capable of getting this election wrong. And yeah. we've seen that on a few occasions here where like, and I, I don't want to be like, Oh yeah, like I saw this coming too long ago, but I mean, I just think there are some things that are just inherently true, right? Like, Messi doesn't run very much anymore. He doesn't have that burst of acceleration to take people on to the degree that he used to. So you have to compliment him with players who will make up for it and press the back line, because when Messi has that space, he is still as effective as ever as, as breaking that down. And I feel like he not seeing how good Enzo Fernandez was and how imperative Enzo Fernandez was to the system was a big miss. So I think that he has kind of been woken up to how Argentina need to approach this tournament into it so that they can win. Um, as far as whether or not I trust him to get it done. I don't know that I do, but I do think that he has improved from the lessons that he's learned at this tournament. That's what I'll say.
1: Okay. I'm curious. Why? What do you I, think? I, do you well, no, I, I, he, the reason why I picked Argentina to win, cause I, I was like, okay, you know, they have this manager Scaloni who came in, helped them win the Copa America, which mm-hmm. ended a very long national drought for them in terms of winning a trophy. It mm-hmm. seems like the players like him, it seems like they've adjusted to his playing style. And, but this world cup, I'm, I'm, there's certain things where I'm like, is this the right decision? You know, yeah. today when they were playing Australia, where certain adjustments did certain adjustments need to be made. Uh, but I need more time with Scaloni. I, I have yeah. to, I was, I was, I'm not against him, but I want to know again, when he goes now against the Netherlands and he's going against a very good tactical coach, What's his tactical game like, and can he come up with something to put his Argentinian players in the best possible position to win that game?
0: Right. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see how he approaches that, too, because I mean, like he's going to keep going with four-three-three or four-three-one-two, like whatever iteration of that he's going to do. I think Lautaro Martinez has been terrible this tournament, and I think that's a really big problem, because even today, like you see that the sitter that he missed, that Messi put on a yeah. freaking platter for yeah, him, and he skied at Messi's, even Messi looks at him like, dude, what more do you want than that? Like, come on, man. I feel like that hurts Scoloni because then it looks poor when, when Scoloni picks him. Whereas if, if the initial lineup had worked out the way that he probably anticipated it would, everyone would be like, Oh, wow, what a genius. And look at the options he still has on the bench. Now it's like, damn, he had to turn to his bench because Lautaro hasn't been very good. But in theory, I mean? Lautaro, Lautaro and Julian Alvarez are like two of the most energetic strikers on planet earth today so in terms of keeping defenders busy and making them make mistakes those are two that you want to have up there the problem is if you put lautaro on at the moment he's just squandering chances so you almost have to put julian alvarez and then what do you do on the other side you put Di maria de maria has been great at times also very one-dimensional at times right like we kind of see what he's going to do and i feel like if you don't find the right balance between occupying defenders and making them worried. And then also finding the creators to exploit that space where it's not just messy. It's not just here, messy, please figure it out for us. And we'll, we'll do everything else for you. I feel like that balance needs to be found a little bit better. And I'm excited to see how Scaloni approaches that. Cause I feel like the Netherlands will anticipate this problem and we'll go, yeah, if we lock up Messi, we'll suffocate service to them. And then who cares? Julian Alvarez can run as much as he wants. He's not going to, he's not going to force Van Dyke into making mistakes because Virgil van Dyke doesn't make mistakes very often.
1: I. I'm kind of surprised Di Maria didn't play today. I'm not going to lie; I think that that's a guy that would have given Australia a lot of difficulty mm. in this game today. And but he was a vibe on the bench. He mm. was just uh, chilling and playing the drums. And I just love De Maria. <laughs>
0: well, he's old too, I, right? Like after th- he he's at the end of his road too. Like he doesn't have to start every is. minute. They probably thought they were going to beat Argentina anyway. They're like, ah, rest him for the next round.
1: Yeah, I guess, but. I mean, julian has
0: got work. them young legs, right? Julian Alvarez can run. He's, he's a spring chicken. He was just birthed.
1: He was great. Like months well, ago. Alvarez, was, Alvarez was great. And again, I feel bad for Matt Ryan, but that's pure, you know, props to Alvarez for making that entire goal happen and, and pressuring, pressuring him. Cause <laughs> that was a sick, that's a nice yeah. goal to score because you're like, I worked hard for that, you know? Yeah, so exactly. I, I respect. Okay. Let's move on to tomorrow's predictions powered by cool bed. So we have the first game of the day, Poland versus France. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows how oh, I we feel got about my this.
0: graphic. Yeah. I oh like it. Gosh. What a nice graphic. I love it.
1: France, the heavy favorites, Poland, the underdogs. So yeah, you know, I'm not <laughs> surprised by this guys. I'm really not surprised by this. Here's the thing. Like we keep saying, anything can happen at this tournament. If Poland's had this epiphany that they want to press and attack and just become a little bit more dangerous, a lot more dangerous in the attack. I Mm -hmm. think that this is a game that they can at least for a good portion of it compete in. Mm -hmm. If they do what they did against Argentina and they generate nothing again, zero shots on target in 90 plus minutes of play, France will win this game. And I don't like when Poland solely rely on their defense when their defense isn't masterclass. And we have an unbelievable goalie in Stjanskne, but there's only so much he can do. And we saw that against Argentina. So I love Poland. I'm going to cheer for them tomorrow. I'm sure I'm going to cry when either way, if it goes really well or it doesn't, I'm happy that they've reached the round of 16 for the first time since 1986. And I want Lewandowski to, which in, in what could be his last ever World Cup, have an unbelievable game. I just hope Poland gives him the opportunity to have that because yep. th- that won't happen. If they're playing him shit balls, if they're playing him balls over the top that are impossible to get, if they're, if there's no connection between their back line and their top line, there just needs to be more creativity and an attacking perspective. Their midfield has to be better. Their, their attack has to actually be present in the game. And that comes down to the coach. So I think that France France is going to have a game where it's going to be an athletic, challenging game because Poland brings that to, to the match. But I also think France has those kinds of players like Mbappe Mbappe will be able to handle that. I think Ru is just such a, we, we talk about a guy who shows up to the big stage. That's a Giroud for you. You know, Rabiot, Chouameni, just so many guys, Dembele, like these guys are going to cause pro- Poland so many problems. Like think about the roster mm-hmm. that's coming at them. I don't know. What do you think, Nathan?
0: See, for me, I'm going to do you a personal favor here. You specifically, because when I've been very dismissive of teams in this tournament, they've actually caused the upside. So I'm going to be very dismissive of Poland again, because... I have to be like, there's no circumstance where Poland should win this game. And we know that. So here's the thing. Here's what I'll say about this game tomorrow. What I anticipate tactically is France coming at them with everything from wide areas. So if Poland are able to just frustrate them in the middle, I I struggle to see Giroud winning a header battle, to be honest, against because he's great at that. But I mean, I feel like there's just going to be such little space in the middle of the park that it's going to be out wide that France are going to hurt you. Teo Hernandez is going to be the widest player on the left for for, for France, which means Mbappe is going to be it. And Mbappe is very intricate. But if Poland are like so deep that there's nowhere to go, I wonder how France are going to be able to stretch Poland a little bit. So I almost feel like France have to like cast the, the line a little, and then just kind of like let Poland bite just to invite them to try to make them get that space. Because At the time that it's a nil-nil, I feel like Poland will be playing for a draw until the 120th minute to try to go to penalties because that's their best course of action. Right. I just feel like that's how they're going to approach it. Whereas I feel like if France make a tactical decision early on to sit, to almost force Poland to have a mid block, like just come get the ball a little bit because we're not going to overcommit. France will be able to hurt them more in not just in transition, but like when Poland's line is higher, because that's when they can make use of their, of their very, very fast and threatening players. But in terms of creativity through the middle, France don't have that perfect somebody at this present moment in time, like without Pogba in the team, because let's face it, uh, Nabil Fakir's at home, Christopher and Konku couldn't come because he was injured, right? Like he got injured. So, Maybe you put in Kamavinga because you don't anticipate much running on the other end because Kamavinga is super mobile. Like He's at least intricate in tight areas. I want to see how France line this up, but it speaks to, to like the fact that I could just list how many players there as potential options to how to break down Poland, I think speaks volumes to how this game is going to go. And I think France will convincingly get the job done uh, as much as I don't like predicting a blowout to a Polish team that prior to two days ago hadn't conceded a goal in seven hours.
1: Yeah, I I'm struggling with this because again, I don't want Polish listeners to be frustrated with me because I'm not trying to be negative about this right. team. For I'll me, I negative. have you'd be to
0: positive. You'd be positive. You be optimistically, blindedly positive. You say no, all the good but things I'm not and like that you no, don't exactly, like. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
1: You have to be realistic, and <laughs> the reality is, is this has been the style of our team for the mm-hmm. last decade, and we don't hire managers to put us in positions to succeed when we get into games like this. And I agree when you're taking on a a French team or an Argentinian team, there has to be a level of of defense in your game. You have to be compact and organized and and you have to be willing to defend to win that game. But if there is no attack, if there's none, if you're playing to go to overtime and penalties, you're not going to win. And this is where, again, if by, you know, the grace of the football gods, Our coach says we're going to attack, and here's Milik and here's Lewandowski, and you know, this is our game plan because everyone thinks we're going to come back, come out today, and park the bus for 90 Mm -hmm. plus minutes. I will be the happiest person. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Somehow, after Poland's painful group stages, their coach got an extension because he qualified into the round of 16. This is what happened. This is, this is what happens in the Polish football program. That's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. Right. So, uh, you know, good luck to Poland tomorrow. And I want them to have the best game and the most successful outcome that they can have. I just don't think it's going to be enough against a French team that I think can win the entire tournament.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, it's, I want to ask you this, like, would you be more, would you be happier to lose with dignity, but get blown out? Right. But like, trying that new system or to try to force the win and knowing that that's probably your best course of action to actually get a result.
1: Oh my God. Yes. You know what? Play an attacking style of football, try something that's never been done before and whatever. If we lose four, nothing, I'll at least say, wow, we had 15 shots today. Right. You know, eight of them were on target and we had chances and we really tested France whatever that to me would be more of a win than it be a painful You know, one nothing or two nothing win for France, which it could be more, but us play complete, complete defensive style of football with no hope of ever scoring a goal.
0: Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think, I think it's just going to be the latter. I think you're right to assume that because that's what we've seen, right? As the evidence changes, so too does our opinion, the evidence has not changed at all. So there's no reason for us to believe that anything will be different for Poland tomorrow.
1: (laughs) Guys, tomorrow on Back, I will be crying one way or another. Go Poland. Good luck to France. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But the game after that is the game I'm also really excited for. Because we got England and Senegal. And England are the heavy favorites uh, once again. And Senegal, the obvious underdogs. Listen, uh, this could be a a sleeper game too. And one thing you got to give Senegal is this team like kind of similar to the soccer a lot of heart, a lot of passion, mm-hmm. the momentum of their fans. We said that their fans are the yeah. heart of this entire world cup. Just, I'm looking forward to just hearing the drums Me too. all yeah. game long for it's the 12th minutes. man. Yes, it really is. That's perfectly said, Nathan. So I think this England team is amazing on paper and you know, they have so much, talent on the pitch and so much depth and youth and experience, but you just don't know what can happen with this Senegal team. So I think yeah. that if Southgate starts Foden, cause I really think that Foden is the secret sauce on this English team. And it would pain me that if he scored in England's last game against Wales to not start right. against Senegal, like momentum for players is a thing. Confidence yeah. for players is a thing. Give him that bite to go and do the same thing against Senegal and you know, Foden will show up. He will because yeah. he's feeling it right now. So I hope that Southgate starts Foden. I think that the, that England have a great chance of winning this game, but I wouldn't be surprised if Senegal gave them a tough time.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either if Senegal gave them a tough time. Um, I, I, do foresee this game being one for the players like Foden and Bukayo Saka, to be honest, because I feel like those intricate players who are capable of making the most in those spaces will be the ones who will get England the best way to to get through this. Because Rashford played a great game last game, too, didn't he? Right. Like he I don't think deserves to be dropped, but I don't want to call it dropped. I just want to call it rotation for him because I feel like he would be best running at people. But when the teams are set up very, very low, when you're running at them like directly and you're not necessarily the most tricky type player, because Foden is more of a tricky type player, you know, even Sterling or Grealish, those are more tricky type players. Rashford's just super direct, who wants to just put the ball in the back of the net, right? So it's a different skill set. I would like to see Rashford for his own sake, get minutes and and hopefully even score. But I think the best course of action for England to win here is find those who can create and abuse space. And for those, those are the creators in the team. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mason Mount came back into this team. I wouldn't be surprised if Phil Foden kept his spot. And ultimately you know Harry Kane should start scoring goals here because if not, you know, everybody's wagers just keep getting wasted week after week. You know, Kane to score plus England win every time it's just been, you know, it's it's not going their way. Now on the other note for Senegal, I think Senegal, we've seen what their path is to victory. And I think the fact that they've been able to display how good they can be at times defensively bodes well for them. But much like we were talking about with Poland or with any underdog team, I feel like inviting the pressure is not necessarily the best course of action for victory. I feel like if Senegal go and try to storm England a little, even if it's just for blitzes at times in games, like know when you're going to go do that, just to try to throw England off a little bit. Because if England feel like they can get dominated physically and run through, especially with the atmosphere that will feel like a Senegal home game. Cause every game has so far, I feel like that'll just drop a seed of doubt into England. And if they lack oh, conviction, yeah. that's where you're going to have uh, upsets.
1: I agree. And I mean, when we watch Senegal play Ecuador, they forced Ecuador to have their worst game of the mm-hmm. tournament. Uh, This is a Senegal team that's able to do that. And I don't think that they're going to come into this England game limping saying, Ooh, we're the underdogs. I don't get that feeling from the Senegal team. Mm. I get this feeling of this team saying, we may be the underdogs and they may have more talented players than us, but we're going to, we're going to fight today. And we have an entire fan base around us. Yeah. And even if things at moments in time don't go our way, we have support. And that, like you said, perfectly, that's the 12th man for Senegal. And that could be huge. So, and, and you think about it, all the pressure is on England. Senegal fans are thrilled. I have so many messages on my uh, social media from Senegal fans saying that they are so proud. They are yeah. so happy. Senegal, Australia, these teams have already left Qatar with a win. Cameroon beating being the first African team at the World Cup to beat Brazil. These mm-hmm. are massive Ws for these countries. So yeah. I think Senegal can have moments and I don't think they're limping into this game scared. I think that they're going into this game saying we can potentially upset an English team that <laughs> like our header says right now on this kickback show from producer Brett and we <laughs> prevent football. We can prevent football from coming home. And let me tell you something. I would never want my team to go into a match. Even if we were very, very much the underdogs thinking that there's no way to win because yeah. if you go into the game thinking that you won't, and if they go into the game thinking that they have every ability to win, They can, any team can do anything at any time. It just takes a little bit of luck, which we saw today from Australia. That goal that they scored against Argentina required a little bit of luck. I think this could be a really good matchup. I think England's going to win this. I think England will win this, but I would really want Senegal to win.
0: Well, and I'm looking at the, I just pulled up the the standings here for the round of 16 and beyond. And I'm looking at who are the most likely underdogs to cause an upset. I think you can put Senegal right in that bracket. Yeah, And it, it, this might not age well if if England just show out, right? Which they should, because they are that team. Like they very well should be the team to just put on display. This is what we're all about. And we're not here to, for underdog stories or anything else. We're here to smash teams because that is who we are. If England come out like that, great. But Alternatively, if they don't, because England have been a little hot and cold at times, I feel like Senegal are one of these teams. Like we're just—if you're a betting man, this might be the one where you're like, you know what? This is a this is this is an underdog that I can have faith in because I have evidence to sustain that this is a team capable of upsetting people, not just from a, from a lack of quality perspective, where it's all vibes, but where everywhere around you're like, you know what, man? Like if I'm if I'm ranking underdogs here out of the eight teams in the round of 16 that are underdogs. Senegal might be like a top three in that underdog bracket.
1: Okay. So this team has a sweat. Oh, that's the best way to put it. They have like a swagger to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was it SAR who hit the no look penalty yeah. against Ecuador? That, that a requires cool a level of confidence. Like that was just <laughs> ice cold. And then yeah. Koulibaly doing what he needed to do to finish things off. This team has that little bit of spice and oomph that you want to see in a team. And again, I don't regret. And resilience. Yes. It's
0: a Resilience too. Cause even when they went down to Ecuador and there's like, Oh, our tournament's done. Cause now yeah. we're not winning exactly. two minutes later. Nah, we're back. Let's go, yeah. let's go up. And then we'll start defending again. <laughs> like, dude, they have that resilience about them too. Exactly. It's, it's not something to be slept on.
1: I agree. And sometimes these teams with all that emotion and swagger, it's tough to play against when you're this English team that's that's very talented and very, very good on paper, but they're it's just two very different styles. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that might be expected for them to win. Yes, exactly. I mean, guys, I don't regret at all picking Australia to beat Argentina today because in those dying minutes, they they could have equalized the game. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. they would have won, but sometimes it's okay to just kind of put your heart on the underdog and really see what they can do because these teams they're playing for their country at this point, they've already won. England's playing for, you know, pressure, Is football coming home? They're
0: bringing football home. Like, do you understand the pressure that comes with that? They're bringing football, the whole (laughs) of football home. That is a big deal. Those are massive pressure on some very young shoulders there.
1: I know that. And like, think of the the media over there is much tougher than anywhere else in the world. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot on England's shoulders. Do I think that they can handle it? Yes. Do I think that Southgate has some hard decisions to make? Yes. And I hope he makes the right ones. Cause I always want to see England succeed. But man, my heart's with Senegal. Like tomorrow when I'm watching, I'm obviously gonna be happy for England's success if they find it. But I'm gonna want Senegal to to really push forward and show the world what they can do. And I just want it for all the Senegal fans because it's so cool to see them in the stands. Was spoiler alert, it isn't coming home. Producer Brett is not does not think it's coming home. So producer Brett, would you put the money? Would you put your cool bet money on the underdogs right now for Senegal and cash out with That's a like heavy a paycheck? paycheck?
0: Producer Brett is making, is taking full advantage of the fact that <laughs> Liam is not here. He's like, we're going to have a go <laughs> at England because ain't nobody going to hold me accountable. Senegal, baby, run it up. Senegal, baby. <laughs>
1: I love it. Well, you guys let us know what your predictions are powered by cool bet. Let us know what you think. Two big games tomorrow. And I mean, to think that, these are our round of 16 games. Like we just saw two really good games tomorrow. I'm anticipating even better games. Sorry. We saw two good games today. and I'm yeah. anticipating better games tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I, I think that we're in for a treat tomorrow, Nathan. And good news for us is that we get a recap it all with all of our kicked back listeners. So I want to know wait. what you guys think your thoughts on today is Messi The goat. What else Boxes. do we, what else did we cover today? Did USA play well enough to beat the Netherlands, or do you guys mm. think that the Netherlands dominated them tactically? And what do you think about tomorrow? Nathan, any final parting words?
0: I just have one question for you, Caroline. Yeah. Who's kicked back presented by?
1: Uber One.
0: Uber One for all your transportation and delivery needs. Run it up. That's Uber. a wrap. Uber One. <laughs>
1: That's a wrap for another episode of kicked back. And thanks so much for listening. You can catch Caroline and Liam here every single week on Tuesdays and Thursdays to give you the latest rundown on all things football. Please don't forget to subscribe and give us a nice five-star rating. Please. And thank you. And for even more kicked back content, follow the 90th minute on all your favorite social channels. See you next time.